Hi, this is Judith Hannon, and I am here today talking with Jenny Allen, and this is a continuation of a number of uh, people I've spoken with about writing and healing and storytelling. And so my friend Jenny is an actor, a writer, a very funny person. She has an award-winning show that she wrote called I Got Sick and I Got Better, or maybe I Got Sick, I Got Better? No, you got it right. Okay. Absolutely right. That's right. And um, she's performed that in uh, Off-Broadway, as well as all kinds of venues to reach as many people um, with her story as possible. Um, she is a, uh, a humorist who writes for The New Yorker and Vogue and blah, blah, blah. She's waving her hand very dismissively, <laughs> being very humble, as, as, as she is. Um, and I was particularly interested in talking to Jenny today uh, because she is a humorist, and I was raised to believe that humor was a mask for pain and that it was a way to uh, was a way of flinching I guess and I've listened to your stories and you don't flinch at all mm-hmm. and you're very funny so I just want to give you a chance first to tell your story and and how you use humor um, when you do talk about yourself well the, um, it's such a great subject isn't it I mean I uh, I think a lot about humor. I'm not sure I think about it that clearly, but um, I know exactly what you mean about the cover aspect. I, I uh, or distancing. It's a, that it's a device for distancing oneself or reducing it somehow, in some way, diminishing it or containing something, and that can be true. That that really can be true. I think um, in my case, uh, I didn't set out to write something funny. Um, Why don't you say a little bit about what I got sick then? Okay. So the show is about um, my experience having been diagnosed and treated for ovarian cancer, which is, as your listeners probably know, a particularly um, onerous and um, often lethal kind of cancer to get. Uh, And this was about, I was treated in 2006, I guess. So this was now some some time ago, but I was, um, uh, I went in for endometrial cancer. I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer, which is actually um, uh, quite a solvable uh, problem. That is, unless it's very advanced, um, you have a hysterectomy and you have some follow-up radiation. I think some, some women have chemo, but it, it has a great prognosis and a great cure rate. And um, this seemed like a kind of um, blip in, in life. And then when I, at, what they found during the surgery was that I had ovarian cancer as well. This is not an unheard of story, as many of your 
uh, listeners and um, know. Um, it was actually sort of lucky if you, if, if, if you look at it a certain way that they um, uh, that I was being operated on for the endometrial cancer because they that's the hysterectomy is the um, treatment for it um, and ninety nine percent of the time and in doing the up in, in performing that operation that's how they found the ovarian so that was certainly a good thing. The the really unfortunate part was that I had been complaining to my various doctors for a couple of years about these pains I was having. And this is also a kind of classic thing with ovarian cancer. Sadly, it seems to be, uh, it seems to endure. A store, many women complain to their doctors, their gynecologist, and then their internist, and then uh, any doctor who they're sent to about these pains, and it's often ovarian cancer is misdiagnosed, which mine was as well. I was, um, my gynecologist said, don't worry about it, you're perimenopausal, and I went back a second time, no, 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 it's fine, and uh, between those, well, that's when he, he did send me for the, um, and he, the second time I went, he, he did pick up that there was endometrial cancer. But in the sort of many, many months between those visits, I had gone to a, to my regular GP internist and he had, he had said, well, did, I thought, I'd said to him, maybe I have a hernia. And he said, no, no, but why don't you go for a colonoscopy? This is very classic. I meet, now I meet a lot of women telling this story. And um, so many of them have the same story. So many women come for colonoscopies. Why they don't send them right for a vaginal sonogram um, is a mystery of the. It just continues to be a mystery, even with a heightened awareness about this disease. So I went for a colonoscopy, and 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 I did have some polyps, but that wasn't it. And then I went to a. Um, a Chinese traditional medicine doctor, because I kept thinking, well, maybe it's something else. And I went to him and I said, I think maybe I have a pulled muscle because I'd carried my children all those years. Mm-hmm. You know, the way you carry them when they're too big for them to be hauled around. And I thought, well, that my kids were older at that point, but I thought, oh, maybe I just wrecked some muscle down there. And he said, yes, that's exactly what happened. And he he sort of did a pressure and it, and it was better. It actually got better. I went to him three times. He, clearly, he was sort of shifting something around in there. It wasn't really better. but And he was a lovely guy. Um, and um, I, uh, so I thought I was cured. And then I went back, did pain, came back. I went back to the gynecologist, and he did do, he did pick up the endometrial cancer um, on a um, pap smear, which is actually not, supposed to detect endometrial cancer, um, but it did, oddly. There was something funky about the cells. So that that was a good thing, but... Um, so, so, Jenny, how do you make a story like that funny? Yes, it's not that funny. <laughs> it's not that funny. And at the time, it was terrifying. I would say my experience was terrifying. I was terrified. And I was very angry yeah. um, about all of this. 
and I started taking notes because I'm a writer, and that's, it seemed I could no longer call myself a writer if I didn't bear some witness to what was happening to me. And I, I had to do that. So, uh, but I had nothing, I didn't know what vessel it would take. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what shape, whether it would be a, a book or an article. Um, I did um, do a magazine piece at some point, a kind of, it was called Cancer Rant for a women's mm-hmm. magazine, a really good magazine yes, called sir. Moore okay. Magazine. And that, the, the the show sprang from that, and I found that in writing that, um, but there was also, uh, well, fear and anger are very close to humor, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they were very, um, they're very, there's a sort of thin line where they're, where they're very closely connected together and that it there was something surely a dark humor about it mm-hmm. but there was something funny about the very um whoa quality of mm-hmm. it the um I can't believe this doctor just said that quality. Mm-hmm. Funny, not so funny um, in a jokey way, but there was something uh, ridiculous about the way the doctors talked. Right. Right. Something um, ridiculous, painful, but about painful but ridiculous about how the body um how my body felt during chemo i remember thinking i can't um i can't believe how what a disaster my all these, these side effects how could you um it was kind of awful slash funny that my body kept ambushing me in these in these side effects ways that I did not anticipate. People said, oh, you're going to be nauseous. or No, I wasn't nauseous for a minute. But, oops, people, I couldn't go upstairs one day. I just mm-hmm. couldn't. It was like my I had no leg muscles, which had, that was either the steroids from the that you're given when you are given chemo so you can be strong through the chemo, um, it was never quite figured out, um, th- so I would I I would I I couldn't go upstairs. I had neuropathy. Um, I had these. I was crying all the time because, I mean, yes, it's upsetting, but also when they take out when they give you a hysterectomy, mm-hmm. you're in menopause overnight, and it's not gradual. So there's something kind of, um, again, sad slash funny about just bursting into tears every five minutes and getting very, um, taking things very personally. Uh, I, I, I have a little section in the piece where I, in the evening where I talk about all the things people say to you when you have cancer. These, they tell you how great you look and they tell you how, oh, there's, 
always somebody worse off than you, or they tell you maybe there's a maybe there's a uh, um, uh, sort of silver lining in all this. All, all these things made me um, upset me when I heard them, but uh, there was something kind of funny and dear about people's attempts. You often wildly ins- unsuccessful, but their attempts to relate to you. Yeah. And I, I get my. Uh, at first, I'd be so shocked. Somebody would say, "Well, I hope I see you next summer." <laughs> I see. I have a, 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 oh, that is funny. <laughs> it is funny. I hope I see you next summer. And what? Well, there was this thing that people did. Several people did. More than few, perhaps. When I mean, I really did it's, do see to understand that better, having been very sick, why p- some people keep it a big secret. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was kind of weird, but you do. If people know, you open yourself up to the to the world at a time when you're very, very vulnerable. And um, people said, um, some people said they would say, "Oh, I heard well, the woman in my." insurance company I went in and she said oh I heard you had cancer and um, I said well yes and she said you know I'm so sorry because all all we have is our health that's just all we have and if we don't have our health what do we have and and, and it was like <laughs> I have nothing I have nothing I have nothing several people seem to feel the need to tell me that even though I had lost my health and there was something I'm sure I got in the car after that conversation and cried, but there was also something kind of um, funny about it. And I think of humor sometimes as I know exactly what you mean, Judy, about the sort of the cover and the and the, it's a way of encapsulating something or making it safe or something. But for me, humor is also about a life force. It is. It is. To me, it's a, it's there should be another word besides um, humorous. It's a very, it has, um, I think, connecting to some to some life force that that um, it's that keeps you this side of despair. Right. And despair isn't more truthful either necessarily. Exactly. Well, I think that's very. You know, I, very when true. we're down. And we're, I, I say this from, from, this is my own personal feeling. When I am sad and scared and angry, that feels like reality to me. Mm-hmm. That's real. And why are these people laughing at things? Why are, what's, life is difficult and, and then you die. I mean, that, but that's not real either. Right. I think that's a really, really good point because, I think when, so I don't know when, when like you say, that like you didn't know what the vessel was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, knew it was going to be funny or not funny. I think it's really important when we write to, whether we use humor or not use humor, to make sure that we tell a story that's bigger than just, I had cancer. And even yes. though the title of your your um, show is, I got sick and I got better, it's about a whole lot more yes, than that. It, yeah. And I, and the getting better, to me, has to do with how to see it 
you know, I got to, I, as I've lived these years after having been sick, getting better for me had to do with, has to do with, even if you, I couldn't feel better just it's it's not enough to feel better because um, I know I'm gonna live that spiritually um, I got better that is um, not because phew I got lucky, but that I mean my hope is that if I'm diagnosed again which happens with this disease, such a horrible, sneaky disease, is that I would now be better spiritually. This is not, I'm not being funny at all. I wish I were being funny. But spirituality has a lot of humor in it too, I Mm -hmm. think. I think that I would be better, that I would face my death better than I did the first time around, That that I got sick, then I got better, um, I hope refers as much to my state of mind as the fact that I did get lucky and they did knock wood. I mean, I'm not sick today, but um, so so in Judaism, our, we have a healing prayer called the Misha Berach, and the Misha Berach is all about the healing of body, mind, and spirit, mm. not the curing. So, you know, and I think that that, when we yeah. talk about writing oh. and healing, that we're not talking about curing. We're talking about all these healing things that happen, which, yeah, I mean, the the point of the Misha Barak, that if you're going to die, that you die with a healed spirit, which I think is, mm. is kind of exactly what mm. you're talking about. So my question mm. for you is, if you, did you come by all of this progression and transformation through the writing, or do you think you would have come by it anyway? That's um, such a good question. I don't know if you can... I don't know if there's an answer. I would have... uh, It would have been... Was the... I felt like I had no choice but to write it. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think um, the right, ah, such a good question. The writing of it certainly made me pay attention to everything. But it made me pay attention to things. But I think what's been as healing for me, too, is um, sharing it with other people. Not, I mean, yes, I do perform it, but that's just the medium. That is, I I hope I would feel this way, because I come in, if it had been a prose thing, I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but people do, after I do a performance of the show or a piece of the show, people do... Um, contact me afterwards yes. in person and by, and say I had that th- this this you know this I related to it has made me because I felt very alone and and again mm-hmm. frightened and it's it's it has been very healing for me 
to um, to not be in such isolation, to, to have this loose community of people who um, who are right there with me, I feel. And right. when yeah. I'm not with them, I feel that they're with me. They were my... Um, they're my people. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so when I wrote, one of the reasons why I wrote the right prescription was because after motherhood exaggerated and I would do all of these readings, people would come up to me and tell me their stories. And they, it was kind of like they needed someone to go mm-hmm. first. And yes. Now they have permission. I think I've probably said this a million times, but now they have permission to tell their story. And I don't want them to feel like they have to wait for somebody else to go first. They yes. should just. I had one woman who came up to me and said, I haven't even told my children I'm dying of leukemia. Oh. I'm like, you know, oh. you know I, I felt like saying, go home and tell your children, but, right. I, but I didn't. Um, and, you know, it isn't what you said earlier. When you're sick, sometimes there's a reason why we don't tell other people. You do leave yourself very vulnerable right. when you do that. When I wrote Motherhood Exaggerated, people who knew me um, when I was not quite as outgoing as I am now said to me, you're writing a book, you're such a private person. And at the time I was thinking, well, I'm writing it by myself, you know. And I never even thought about the fact that people were going to read it and that I would meet those people and have to talk to them. Oh, was that not even a surprise? Yeah. (laughs) And oh, it was great. Was but it good, though? It was, yeah. But like you say, it's very much part of the process. Mm-hmm. So you wrote your, and we can talk about your other writing, too, but I just have another question well, no. about this. So you wrote this uh, play four years, how, how many years ago? Well, it's now, like, nine years ago. I mean, I start, no, excuse me, I did, I started to perform it in 2009. So... Okay. so as you keep performing it, are you? Does the story change for you? Do, do your perceptions? Well, change? it's interesting. Um, now I, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yes and no. That is, um, when I, um, I've, I've, I've now added some lines in, into this section, but this, this section where I talk about all these things people say to you when you're sick, um, I have that there's a section where I say, oh, they, they always tell you how great you look, and they, somebody, sometimes they say it like this, sometimes they say it like this, you look great, or they say you look great, or they say, uh, anyway, they had a kind of um, um, mean-spirited, uh, mm-hmm. a kind of, well, People are just doing the best they can. It seemed to, you know, and when I started performing this, I don't know. At some point, maybe the first year, I hope, I added a line about who can blame people. It's a nice thing to say. It's the first thing you think to say when you run into someone you know with a terrible disease. Mm-hmm. I say it myself, and that was more truthful. It was kinder, but it was more truthful and less. And less, um, less, less yes. angry, less bitter, and um, uh, I didn't want to make other people feel foolish for having tried to say something nice. Right. As mis- as as I mean, I people. I then I wrote a cup some article for another women's magazine about this. I mean, I'd come to think perhaps the best thing to say to anybody who's sick is. 
what can I bring you for dinner? Right. That's the best. I always way. offer to go shopping for people, yeah. That's because you yeah. know this. But yeah. in New York, I make a little joke in the show about it, because I, I do the show around the country, and, and, I, and there's a little line in it where I, I think you hate writers who quote themselves but and try to be specific here. There's a little line where I say, um, uh, uh, a few people offered to bring dinners to me and my family. Um, and then wherever I am in the country, it's true, because I then say, which I know is probably done all the time here in, and then you just fill in the blank, Kansas City or St. Louis, or I did it in Saskatchewan, like, which is done all the time here in XYZ, but is just not part of Manhattan culture. That always gets a laugh, because um, it's true. Right. Um, um, and it's, it is, does kind of confirm what people outside of New York think of New Yorkers, which is we really don't make casseroles for each other and bring them over. We just don't. We're not that nice. Or we know how to make a casserole. A casserole. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit. But you go, ten, you go across the George Washington Bridge and they're bringing each other casseroles right. all the time. Or they have a, a cooking tree. Yeah. That is, you make dinner for so-and-so one right. night and you make it the next night. We're just not that cooperative in New yeah. York. Well, so We do other things. We do other things. No, we do do other things. And you do, that's going shopping, that's like the kindest thing you can do for somebody. Um, now I've wandered off the question, but that I didn't want to make people feel stupid for having and it seemed, for having tried to be kind. So that changed, that tempered that. Um, and um, I was more, in general, more aware of that. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, there, was a, there was a doctor who I called and after when I was trying to figure out why, why this had been ignored for two years this, and um, this, these pains. And he said, at first, I, 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 I thought this was a very strong part of the show. And he said, I didn't know him, but he called me back because he knew a friend of mine who he worked with. He, so he had looked at my records and he said, what do you want me to say? That... That there, that there are bad doctors. He, he was yelling at me on the phone that you were misdiagnosed, and he again he didn't know me. He'd taken my call. He'd looked at my history, and he and I thought, well, that is so mean. And then I thought about it. Like, this was at, this was soon after I started doing the right. show. I hope, right. and I thought um, this is not. This is more about me. Driving, I was driving everybody crazy, trying to figure out mm -hmm. what what had gone wrong. What did I expect this guy to do? Call me up and say, "Come right over, we'll have a drink, and I'll talk to you about it." Um, that he was just, you know, it was Tuesday at five o'clock. He was returning his bloody phone calls, and he had this woman saying, "I'm sorry, do you think?" And but it was really about me, right. and you know, not to put it off on other people. And that my anger was always that that's what changed in the show early on though and i've tr and I've kept that that i when I would be angry and frustrated at doctors or my husband, my then husband or a friend's instant, a friend's thoughtless remark or situation that that had to be more about me than about them well, so before we got. 
on to this conversation. Um, we were talking earlier about perspective and how um, oftentimes with my students, I'll have them write a scene from another person's, the other person's perspective. Such a great so, idea. So that's more or less what you've done yes. by, by looking at things that way. So we have about five minutes left, okay. and I want to give you a chance to talk about what you're doing now. I know you're performing tomorrow night because I'm going to be there. Oh, you sweet <laughs> to come. You don't have to come. You don't have to come, Judy. I am. Um, so what what's going on now? Well, doing? I still do the show, believe it or not, although I do it a lot for cancer fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been to Canada I get two or three times that I'm going back to Canada to do it again. I kind of do it when, if I'm available, I, I do it. And um, uh, so I still do that. I'm working on a book, that, a collection of humor pieces. In fact, struggling right now with one about, because I wanted to put one in about, because I, I wrote several magazine pieces at different stages, and I, I thought surely I could put these in a in one piece, but um, I am kind of struggling with that. I'm not sure it's going to make it, but there's a, co- a collection of, of my humor pieces that Farrar Strauss is publishing next. Yay, 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 yay. And, um, and most of them have have nothing to do with being, being sick or well, or they're sort of... Um, it's their humor pieces. Some of them were in the New Yorker, and some of them weren't. And um, and then there's a few personal essays in there. This this the one I'm struggling with, which I wanted to be about being sick, um, would is more of a is of course a more of a personal essay. Um, and I am struggling with the tone of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's not. Sometimes humor is truthful and I never want it to be a, I, I never want it to be at the cover uh, I, I uh, and if it is to me there's something um, false about it you it's not truly funny it's too strained or it's too um, it has to come out of what's truthful right and some of the uh, so it I'm struggling with that a little bit. I mean, some of the things are that are naturally... It's making me go back to that time and remember some of the things that happened that I that I hadn't included in, in my show mm-hmm. or little essays or something. I was... There was something... The, a doctor said to me that a gynecologist I had after I was... When I... Um, after I'd had my treatments, a young woman doctor who was giving me my um, pelvic exam, um, and she, while she was doing it, she said, "This is this is the one." She really had no sense of humor. She was she was just not. She had she was in a rush, and she sort of stuck her hand in there, and she said, "Well, I don't appreciate a tumor," and I thought, what. I'm sorry, what? And she said, I don't appreciate a tumor. And really, I said, I did think I said, me neither. (laughs) But appreciate meant, it means I don't feel a tumor. I don't appreciate one. Oh, my God. And 
and the more she didn't think that was funny, the funnier I thought that it was. <laughs> I don't appreciate it. Too much. I thought, how can you say that to somebody without? How can you say that to somebody without thinking it's funny? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And the idea that after you have cancer, you are at least ovarian, and I think other cancers, mm-hmm. your your care after that point is for the rest of your life is called surveillance. Uh-huh. You were you were under surveillance. Your doctor, it's called surveillance, uh-huh. which struck me as, uh, again, both scary, and that's so that's funny. That, that is, is just funny. actually that funny. Is funny. It is that is actually just funny. Yeah. And some things are just are just pat. Are just they just are funny, um, and the doctors don't always see it. Um, some do, but yeah. they're pretty much in a in a hurry. But. Um, so I wanted the humor not to come out of the fact that, phew, I got away with this. Yes. Comedy means happy ending. I wanted it to be a person who, even if she hadn't gotten away with it, would, that it could be funny because she believed in living in the moment. That even if it's your last moment, that you have had a... Um, You've been present in it. Yeah. Well, so I think that's kind of a good place to stop. I didn't mention all your work with the moth, so I'll just oh, say Judy, I can't believe you, you even that you, Jenny's a, a host and speaker on the moth all the time. Yeah, I do love doing that. And um, I did a story about my wig, about the wig that I wore for uh, for cancer when it fell off, and that was a joking. That is just a. By definition, right, funny, funny. Yeah. in front of in a graduation, the kids' friends' graduation from the University oh, I, of Chicago. I I heard, I heard it fell it. off. No, that's just either that just is funny. It really is like a Lucy episode. Yeah, no matter exactly. how you cut it, exactly. So um, thanks, so, Judy. But you wanted, didn't have to mention. That's very generous I of didn't you. Have but to mention that. next time I'll interview you and do all your credit. So Jenny, if people want to get in touch with you, you have a website. I surely do. Is it indiscreet of me to give my email address? Right. That's totally up to you. Well, I'd like to because the website. I don't think. It, it offers you the opportunity to get in touch with my agent, <laughs> and he's very nice. But I, I would rather hear from people directly. My email is Jenny Allen. That's one word: J E N N Y A L L E N. The numeral four at Gmail. And, and, and your website is Jenny Allen Wright. It's www.jennyallenwrights.com. dot com. Because I got that idea from you. Because mine is Judith Allen Wrights. It is. Oh. I got that idea from my um, young friend who does my computer work for me. So that's great. I'll tell him. (laughs) All right, Jenny. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Judy.